Welcome to the Prolific Pulse Poetry Podcast. Today we have Poets Connection, as the women who contributed to What It Is to Be a Woman Anthology, edited and produced by Arlene S. Weiss, will be presenting their poetry. Don't go away. You don't want to miss this. I want to welcome everybody to the Poets Connection of Living Poetry. Poets Connection started back a few months ago. We met in person and then the pandemic hit. Um, So we decided to go virtual. And it's going to be virtual um, for a long time. Uh, In fact, I don't know if we're going to be meeting in person for months on end. Who knows when this is all going to be over with. But it also gives opportunity for people that cannot otherwise get together to get together. And by doing it virtual, we can bring in people from outside the triad. Uh, we have a good representation today of all over the country. So, you know, there's an example there. So everybody that's here is certainly welcome to come to Poets Connection, be a part of that and meet once a month. Um, next month, November 14th, we're actually having a workshop on submitting poetry. So if you need to brush up or learn about how to submit poetry to journals and publications, then it's definitely going to be one to attend. Jean-Marie Oliveri is going to be teaching it and she's quite adept at it. She's been an editor for poetry and other works of writing and, um, you know, is very knowledgeable about this. So um, just keep that in mind. It's going to be November 14th from 10 to noon. We are excited to introduce many of the poets who entered the poetry for the anthology, What It Is to Be a Woman. Thank you to Arlene Weiss for creating and editing this anthology and making it a beautiful publication. I'm very proud of this book. I think she does an excellent job and um, makes me smile to, to see all the beautiful work that's in there. Carol Grever is a recognized poet and nonfiction author. Glimpses, her 2013 poetry collection, won the top Colorado Authors League Prize. Her memoir, Turnings, won 2017 honors. As an authority on mixed orientation marriage, she's interviewed on the Oprah Winfrey Show, Good Morning America, Anderson Cooper 360, and The Early Show. So without further ado, I present Carol Greva. Thank you. The poem I have um, in What It Is to Be a Woman is called Continuum. Wakeful in my childhood bed, warmed by hand-sewn quilts, cluttered memories crowd my cradle space. Three generations' spirits attend this four-poster, bear witness to loved ones gone, few left, to remember. Great Aunt Ruby's bedside lamps shine on porcelain dancers in graceful pose since 1930. Mama's hope chest remains still packed with unused fabrics near grandma's sewing rocker. So fragile, no one dares sit. My own student desk In the alcove, birthed term papers, love poems, typed on a maroon manual Olympia. The nearby table once held my first private phone 
Terry, 24657, the number. Teen friends called, giggling for hours over nothing. A vintage chest sits snugly packed, topped by crocheted doilies. The framed Age Street, Age Street mirror faintly reflects eclectic treasures, silver-backed hairbrush matching comb, a book of poems, a broken clock. Even childhood dolls survive, gathered in a corner, dressed in my own baby clothes. In this time capsule room, aging wallpaper loosens at the edges. Its blue and yellow flowers fade silently on curled stems. Every object bears witness to lives present and gone. A hundred years of memories gathered before their final farewell. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Melanie Winter is Director of Marketing and Content Writer for WinterNet Web Technologies. She creates content for clients to promote marketing and branding in her web development business. Melanie writes for a blog and local community history project and publication. Hi. Um, I only have one poem. Um, it's called First Time in Forever. Uh, and it's dedicated to my princess warriors. I have two daughters. We finally got the ears to hear us instead of wishing to the brightest star. We now wield the swords and shoot the arrows to prove to us who we are. We left the damsel in her coffin, the glass shoe on the floor. We left the hopeless pining love songs, a time for something more. In a journey up the mountain, across the frozen fjord, fighting wolves in ice and snowstorms, we find a new reward. Our story is not about the dashing prince with no name or face at all. It's not about a dream to wish or invite to the ball. The story of, is fighting our battles, saving family for the journeys we go through, for taking the next step in spite of grief Lady, the story is for you. Your story is not perfect. No need for a fancy dress. It grabs you like a ponytail holder and leaves the hair a mess. Because this love is messy and can hurt, but this love can bring you far. For love is not about the ending. It's about who you are. Remember, dear, love is not being noticed by dreams of a prince to come true. It's about your own resilience. This first love is about you. We are warriors, queens, and commanders, soldiers in nightgowns singing, there it goes. For all the years of princess magic, the dreams, the wishes, and the hopes. Play your dress up, be the princess. Find your bright, brave star to shine. For now, we sing the strength of women unlike once upon a time. Thank you. Wow. Brought tears to my eyes. 
Tammy Tillotson lives and writes in Chase City, Virginia. She has published poetry, fiction, and creative nonfiction online, in print, and in multiple anthologies. Her first chapbook of poems, Lady Fingers, was published by Finishing Line Press in 2012. I have a couple in this anthology, but the one that I want to read uh, today is called Sweet Weary Head. I have stuffed down the stuff of dreams into such big fluffy tufts of billowing stuff, decorative shams full of all of this fluff settling down into an old pair of stuffy throw pillows, carefully arranged. I have stuffed and I have fluffed, first right, then left, a special place for each, one at either arm of the love seat. Thank you. A former Missourian raised with Midwestern sensibilities, good barbecue, and the St. Louis Cardinals, Vicki Silverman resides in Los Angeles with her husband and loves having her children and grandchildren living nearby. She's the author of Questions on Topics That Matter, a teacher at heart, and a poet who writes about people and life experiences, proudly avoiding any subjects relating to the trivial nuances technology has unleashed on all of us today. Okay, thank you. Um, the poem that I've chosen to read and that is in the anthology is a one that is pretty much dedicated to a, the women in a women's group that I'm in, which um, has helped me grow so much over the years. We met together for about um, six, five and a half years, once a month, and we just talk about topics um, and this is called Meeting the Heroine Within. We gather to talk, some as dear friends, some as new acquaintances, others as momentary strangers, sharing thoughts, insights that may delight, move us, surprise us, make us wonder, threaded together as our own community, nourishing who we really are, hope to become. We dare to think, some openly, some with reserve, others in silence with a velvet heart, about forgiveness, self-love, expectations, energy fueled by gratitude, appreciation of life's simplest gestures, authenticity, integrity, living mindfully, observing without judgment, reminding ourselves that like attract like and to reflect on our didwells each and every day about giving off goodness that generates more good in another so that it becomes our reality, leaving no room for energy that depletes us all. We take a step forward, a little lighter yet more thoughtfully, off to create a time of stillness from a textured life of many patterns as we go on our own personal wisdom walk to think about the heroine within. Thank you, thank you so much. Barbara Tronsolito has published four collections of poetry in Fragile Twilight, Beyond the Seven Poinsettia, Moonflowers, and in Tribes of Running Rain. She holds a BA in English and an MS in Management. She resides on Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Thank you, everyone. Good morning. Um, I'm going to read this poem from the collection 
anthology. Um, it's in dedication to Colette Inez, who uh, left us in January of 2019, but I believe is here with us today in spirit. She was a very famous poet in New York and I loved her very much. So this poem takes place uh, one afternoon on the Upper West Side in Manhattan where we had lunch together. It's called Women, Etc. and it's for Colette. City bustling at midday, ruffling sounds like my grandmother's skirts, cherries from a street vendor's cart. I imagine twisting their stems, wearing them as earrings. My mother did as a child in Italy. In sunlight, golden as ripe melon, I lunch with you, an outdoor Turkish cafe, lavish with violet velvet cushions, white iris in glass vases, on white tablecloths, lulling caresses. I miss the women I love, whispering their secrets to me in twilight, sipping espresso, late day lessons. Sister poet also scarred, still standing. Cries of a bustling city are no match for language, gracing your crimson lips. A familiar and welcome melody, I am in awe of your infinite beauty as you whisper secrets into the ears of this child yearning for her mother. Wow, thank you. Arlena Spice is an author, speaker, educator, and editor. She hosts Poetry in Nature on Selective Sundays, is a member of TAF, IWWG, and founding member of Warren Artist Market. She lives in Southfield, Virginia. She's also the editor and contributing author to What It Is to Be a Woman. Arlene will start with three poems as she is sharing poetry from two poets who were not able to attend and her own as well. Okay, thank you. Because of my love of history and the love of women coming into their own, I wrote this poem called Women's Words. The wisdom of women's words came down in history. In the 1700s, Mary Wollstonecraft, a lone traveler, wrote a vindication of rights of women. Phyllis Wheatley crafted poetry, learned Latin and Greek as a slave in Boston, Massachusetts. Jane Austen used her exurbic wit to tell about the lives of women as chattel. In the 1800s, Marianne Evans wrote under the alias of George Eliot to get published, and she did. Francis E.W. Harper, poet, short story writer of free black parents, how to end slavery. Mary Shelley, daughter of Wollstonecraft, created Frankenstein. It still chills and thrills. In the 1900s, Ag Agatha Christie used her words to create 
and solve mysteries, including one of her own. Zora Neale Hurston wrote as part of the Harlem Renaissance, gathered writers around her. Stevie Smith, the British poet, made up her own poetic rules, ignored the demands of others. The most famous woman of all that took a stick and wrote in the sand, hey, Adam, come take a bite of this apple. <laughs> I thought a little bit of humor never hurts at all. And I have a, a poem here from um, Joyce Lindenwood. And it was prompted by the Women's March in Washington in January of 2017. Spontaneous energy, building, warming, rising, like lava held in check far too long, an eruption of determination suddenly breaking free, sparks igniting fires of hope in a bleak world. Thousands and thousands of sisters marched, all ages and races, striding purposefully, spanning one side of the street to the other, as far as the eye could see. Smiles illuminating faces, released from the hands of restraint, little pink hats bobbing out of a sea of hands, joy bubbling up in laughter. Walking among them, I felt awed, taller somehow, lifted out of a well of despair, vitally filling the air, ballooning, inhaling, shared breath, resonating with our combined dedication, reclaiming power stifled far too long, power that could no longer be quelled, demanding decency, charity, respect, undeniable, immutable, dangerous only to those who would stifle women's voices, united for change. Next one's me. Um, Lisa Tomi is a poet, author, podcaster, and editor. She's been a member of Living Poetry since 2012 and is currently one of the co-organizers. Her baby is Poets Connection, which is a group to unite poets, develop skills, and to share poetry with others. I will start with a poem actually by Barbara Burns, who's not able to be here today. When our selected mother-in-law. My memory festers and gets worse. Try to put it down in verse. In the kitchen before dawn, Sweat dripping, making bread. My mother-in-law, who wept and bled. I blamed her tears, sentimental woman, nothing in her head. I scorned her pain. I'm sure she knew. I never said. I wept for me. Not the signs I should have read. White stone stand instead of tears. I should have shed. I weep for how she cried alone now in her dirt bed. I'm going to read from um, the anthology, my poem, um, Life as We Know It. Feeling him close, 
seeing him like a soul in the palm of my hand, gathering him for the examination only to learn he would not be seen. My grace was tainted and I lost his soul, but he lived on, living in the echoes of my mind, taking up a space in my heart, full of him in my heart and mind until he found his nesting place. But he launched off into the unknowns until knowing became his thing. And now he can go wherever he wants. He can claim a being and walk with the others on unclaimed earth. Until he does, rest in my heart, little soul man. But go forth and live. Make your mother smile just like you were meant to do and more. Grab her if she would read another poem. Thank you. Um, I'd like to read one of my favorite poems that I have written. The one, you know, some, some of these were closer to than others, but this is from Glimpses, which is um, my, um, my collection of poetry that was published a few years ago. This is called Camera. How shall I save these spots of time to ungloom winter? Can I leaf through thought to live again, pictures I love most? Translucent half moon caught on piney hilltop, snow shower whitening bones of an old boomtown, cabins intact, though lives, loves within are gone. Rain touching my face with green breeze and deep down freshness. Tree roof overhead, mossy shelter to ease a storm. A doe frightened out of sight and hundreds of wildflowers framing an aspen lake. A waterfall picnic, one tiny mauve blossom, unique in all the world. A broken stone, its special shape, my keepsake. River sound at night and rain on the roof while wood smoke cozies a cabin. Wading an icy stream to marvel at sunlight shimmer through rain-studded pines. Reading on a swinging bridge, my chipmunk friend visiting at twilight. And spruce smell always. My camera worked long to snap sensuous moments, vivid and sweet. Enjoy the delights of this memory album. It belongs to you as well. That was written uh, at a time I was uh, teaching in a mountain camp uh, in Colorado, my chosen home, wonderful place to be. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, the next person would be Cammie. 
for this particular anthology, I was trying to find like a central idea, just a, a short something that I wanted to say to kind of sum up, like for, for what it is to be a woman to me. Um, and I struggled with it a really long time. And then just one day it kind of was there. Um, and it's one of those ones that shows up when you're driving down the road on four lanes of traffic and that sort of thing. You have to pull off and stop and write it out. <laughs> um, um, and that's the, uh, the next one that I would like to share. It's called A Wise Woman. A wise woman recognizes she cannot be everything to everyone else without completely losing who she wants to be. She already is herself. Vicki? Okay. Um, the next one that I'd like to share, I wrote actually during a meeting when I was with my women's group. And it was very interesting. The, the, the hostess set the scene and she had on some uh, wonderful classical music. She provided paper and colored pencils and pens. And she said um, to listen to the music, close your eyes. And she had to sit there for a couple minutes. And um, then she had asked us to write or draw whatever comes to mind at that moment. And she gave me, um, I said, could I write instead of color or draw? And she said, okay. And I, so she gave me a book that she had nearby, which was a children's, one of her children's or grandchildren, I guess, books. And um, it was, uh, it was a, 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 a book about, um, I guess, a princess. And it just started making me think. So this is what I ended up writing. And it's a, a poem that I wrote with a friend in mind who was uh, very ill with leukemia. And it's called My Special Princess and the Princess in Me. Do princesses always wear a sparkling crown or wave a scepter to be heard? Smile at excited crowds, save a gosling or an injured bird? My princess wears jewels in her heart, bravely smiling as she faces roads rarely traveled. An inspiration to me as my daily routines unravel amidst everyday redirections. Her inner essence, a glimpse into her soul, powerful, magical, at once a beam of life, a moment later eclipsed by darkness and always emerging as the princess who proudly and bravely, bravely wears her special crown. She makes me look inside myself to find the everyday strength to be the better me that I hope you can see. Today, I will be a princess and wear a brilliant crown and bravely face any obstacles in my way. And like my princess, see them, walk by them, and move forward always. Thank you. Barbara. Thank you. I'm going to read another poem from... Um, the anthology, What It Is to Be a Woman. This one um, uh, is a story I learned in 1970 when I was visiting Italy and the town where my, my father's side is from, my grandparents were visiting at the same time. It's a story of a woman who was a Renaissance poet who lived in the castle on top of the, um, the town and the, town, uh, the town's name is Valsini, so uh, the poem tells her story and I'd like to share it with you and anybody who wants to listen. Her name was Isabella Mora. 
This is Ode to Isabella. Your story lingers in Valsini, town of my ancestors carved into a mountain, winding alleys and cobblestones sob, recalling you, Isabella of gold, hair of sunlight, eyes from the sea. You lived in a castle, a lady waiting on the majesty of a lord who would fulfill her destiny. Instead, you loved a commoner, the rush of his simple song, your love-making moans rising to cypresses, blotting over terracotta rooftops, background for an operatic ending. Your brother put the scandal to sleep with a knife to your throat. I mourn for you. Your rightful place is in the sky with Eloise and Mary Magdalene. The passion of saints will not be quieted by men without souls. Their version swallowed by spirits of women who return to tell their tales through a poet. She can hear you calling, remember me as Isabella, who was not afraid to love. Thank you. This would be Arlene. Speaking of ancestors, I've been <clears throat> researching my ancestors for easily 40 or 50 years, I guess, uh, mainly because I didn't know anything about them. All my, my senior members in my family were, had passed on before I was born. So here's ancestors' blessings. I ask the blessing of my ancestors to carry on what they have begun. Tell each story of struggle and accomplishment, each life of carrying fear and festivity. To send forth to the next generation their genes, memories, and encouragement to allow their love and faith in me and to pass it on. I'm a woman survivor of past wars, a seeker of peace in my lifetime, recorder of family ancestral history, a bridge between past and future. A goddess carrying the divine feminine in my heart, turning life events into the wisdom of my age. And I continue to research my ancestors. They're fascinating people. And I have a poem here from Ellie Neubauer, who couldn't be with us this morning. And Ellie is has recently celebrated her 95th birthday. She's still writing and still publishing books and poetry. This is titled The House of She, and it addresses all the number of different women that are within her. The House of She. Mm -hmm. It's a curiosity where all these she's come from who rent space inside the house of me. Where do they stay through the day as they peek from behind the curtain 
of my mind waiting to show their idiosyncrasies. I'm a house full of acquaintances, each one hiding behind their title. Wife, mother, friend, teacher, artist, monk. So many more, all faces nodding to one another in passing. Occasionally, a purposeful she will stride forward, demanding that this minute service, this, this minute serve her alone as others hide behind their imaginary walls. For instance, my monk, she, a morning companion, seems more comfortable for the hours before busyness. She lets me roam the inner chambers of my heart, speaking in wise, sweet counsel. Monk believes in me, even in my insanity. She is my rock that I hold tight to when storms blow me into the nowhere of dark spaces where my horse she waits to rape me of my complacency. My whore she slinks in the corners of my mind, waiting for a discontented thought to amble by, then lures him with the perfume of satisfaction, dragging him down into the world of worry, woe, and wine. My artist, she, the writer that dances with words, is fickle, here now, there now, never a stable one to trust. She is very shy, appearing only on occasion, and everything must be to her liking. I adore her and beg her, but she is elusive and slippery, refusing my crowded mind. She comes most often in undressed hours, where time melts like puddles of gladness before the day drags me into life's demanding presence. Charming she and friend she are cousins. They move with ease among friends and strangers, smiling in a guise of confidence. Charming she is gregarious, sprinkling herself all over the place, hoping she has remembered all the necessaries of comb and brush and lipstick. While friend she is a more serious self, showing up with smiling eyes and open heart, with laughter, tears, and love for those she holds dear, storing memories of hours spent. Then there is the flagellating she with her whip of guilt reviewing all my did and didn't do's as though a mantra of my shortcomings. The angry she hides in a safe cubby, coming out flaring and tearing when complacency leaves the house. Stinging words fly out of her mouth, slamming the door between us, leaving a hard and terrible silence. Then there is wife she, turned widow she, 
They couldn't stand the empty chair and slippers. So they packed their cases of memories and walked away into the world of words where pen, paper, and computer live. That's when teacher she moved into this house of me and took over, swallowing cups of time, dwindling my days to snippets of necessaries. Teacher she wore the face of authority, instructing as though a guru of the only wisdom until one day her pupil came, became her teacher. Though teacher she has retired, she still rents a room in this house of me where she hides in my computer and journals and occasionally snuggles herself into poems, thoughts and other wonder-filled words encasing them between pages. My mother, she, a permanent resident in this house of me, rents the biggest room. This is where she ponders the days and years that time swallowed of tiny hands and downy hair and school buses and prom nights and wedding dresses and goodbyes and letting goes, all fragile pieces of living. Now at the back end of old age, when grown children are in the entanglements of life, mother she fights the audacious wisdom of silence, biting her tongue until asked for advice. Along with these, living in mother she's room, the inevitable nagger, wish I had, has moved in, taking up space and filling my mind with dreary regrets and self-recriminations. So many she's tromping around inside me, each hollering to be fed. And still there are new tenants moving in every day as old ones die off or move up or taking one up residence somewhere else. And I am left to get used to this new idiosyncrasies, sleeping with me, sharing my pillow at night. That's from Ellie Neubauer, who's had 95 years of living as a woman. Uh, my personal guru, when I need help or need to bounce questions off someone, I go to Ellie. She's uh, definitely a woman of wisdom and a queen. Okay, that's good for the second round for me. Thanks for listening. And I hope you, you. reread Ellie's poem in your book so that you can get even more of the she out of it. Thank you. That was an excellent poem. Thank you. I'm going to read um, The Art of Doing Less for More. I put dishes in the dishwasher, knowing that they may be there for a while. Laundry is calling my name, but I won't listen until my shorts start to crawl. 
bath towels are overrated as I shake loose the wetness with a dance. I get hungry. I'll just grab some cheese and an apple, easy and less time consuming. As I write minimally but with intentions, not to intend, but to respond to the simple vibrations of my mind. And that is the art of doing less or more. During our break, we had an opportunity to record a discussion with Vicki Silverman and Arlene Bice about Vicki's book. So have a listen. As I mentioned, I'm in this uh, group of women. There, there are about 10 of us. And um, we talk very philosophically. So let's say there'll be one month we'll decide to talk about gratitude. And we all think about it for the month in advance. And then when we meet, we talk about gratitude. And um, I always write a poem before the meeting uh, re re reflecting some of my feelings about the topic. So I thought, and I was asked by a lot of friends, oh, I wish I were in a group like you. They, it just sounds so interesting and the women sound so interesting. And I thought, well, I could write a book that anyone could pick up and start a group like that. But I didn't want to put down all our thoughts because I thought there were way too many books out there about um, philosophy and self-improvement. And they tell you how to do it. And I've, I decided to write a book not with, with the content of that, but with the questions you need to ask in order to get to that wonderful conversation. So I went back through all my notes that I had ever taken during our meetings and created the questions that you need to ask to get to those discussions. So this is a book of questions. It's called Questions on Topics That Matter. And it also tells you how to set up such a group, literally step-by-step, step, so that if you wanted to, if you had this book, you could start a group tomorrow with women of your choice to have wonderful discussions. But I also included my poems before every chapter. So that's what this is. And I grieved because one of you that read mentioned about a women's groups, which I've never had women's groups until the last 10 or 15 years, I guess. And I had learned, I'm sorry that women, more women weren't in my life earlier in my life, but I always worked in a man's field and I grew up with all boys in the neighborhood. So uh, I never realized the wealth that is involved in belonging to a woman's group. And I've learned so much and I really uh, suggest it to anyone else. I agree. Yeah. And I, I and with my experience, I learned a lot. I have learned a lot about myself and I've mm -hmm. learned that I am really a very optimistic, positive type person because I don't go to the dark side very often. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people write, I, it doesn't seem like many of you do either, but uh, so many people write about very dark, painful moments. And fortunately, I don't see the world that way or myself that way. And I really didn't think about it until I got into this women's group. 
and started realizing that about myself. And my, I think my writing tends to reflect it. <laughs> Okay, so it's time for, this will probably be our last round, um, and uh, just go back around the same way we started with Carol. Oh, okay. Um, I spent about 10 years um, enjoying uh, whitewater canoeing. In the on the rivers in Utah and uh, and enjoying the beautiful desert scenery, and I, I wrote a lot about that period of time. <clears throat> and I'd like to read one of those poems. Sunset Tapestry is the title. The day seemed slow till these last rich hours, more precious as they pass. Breathing freely now, fresh patterns unfold in canyon tapestries of light. A fleeting fabric of solitude etches soft designs, blesses this sandstone loom. Here on this river, I know my time has rushed, tumbled in incessant waves breaking on eroding shores. Constant rapids chattered over rocks, drowned in swirling holes. Paddling westward now, ripples unfold in calmer waters. The setting sun weaves tranquil visions on the western horizon. Flashing orange, to softer gold, to quiet gray, fabric of solitude, colors of calm, wrapping me close in night's soft embrace. Canyon walls endure, water, wind, fire, and time. They stand still, sunrise, to sunset, teach peace. That was written on the Gunnison River. And Tammy, do you want to do one? I was, oh, well, some, some of you knew, but I grew up in a, my mother was a caterer and I was one of, in the middle of three daughters. So uh, my entire life we grew up largely around these big major events for women and uh, primarily weddings. Um, and uh, especially I think now with, with all our social distancing, um, our, our perceptions of how we can do these important things for women and these like these milestone occasions is very, very different now. Um, and when you grow up in a household where you're surrounded by different, where um, it's either about the cake or about the numbers of people that you can have, um, it's just very different. Uh, so uh, my sisters and I had some challenges with that. Uh, between um, the three of us, we've had five weddings and our mother um, attended one of them. And um, I, 
one of my recent things that I'd like to read something from is called um, uh, The Postnuptial Agreement of Nemours Jellyfish and Anaphora. Um, and what I, I kind of fell into formal writing. I, I really like to do sonnets. And um, what I did, um, my sister got married on a Monday and less than 1% of women ever get married on a Monday. And um, it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of interesting how um, I, I'm very privileged and honored to know one of those women. And because our mother didn't attend her wedding, I found that I wrote these little things throughout the whole day. So I would like to share um, one of them today. And this is one uh, of 18 from this collection. My sister wants a picture of her ring. She laughs because it's funny how it fits perfectly inside his. Beside the King James, a tired, worn out copy, which is just lying on the counter with the ring. I think I'm praying for God's presence, no matter what I imagine I might have things while staring through my side of this window. I might be enlightened if I could be a fly in this place for one day. The witnesses have already signed on the sheet, his mother, our dad, then they're asked to sit back down. We're being dismissed, all of us, as two men are escorted in handcuffs. Um, and I should preface that by saying my, my sister um, got married to the Justice of the Peace. Like a, it was a, uh, it was not a big formal to do. <laughs> and it was on a Monday. Um, and it was by far the most interesting wedding that I have ever been to. <laughs> and um, our, our mother um, uh, did not attend. She was working. The restaurant and her business was open. And her opinion was what woman or what kind of woman gets married on a Monday? Well, my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Vicki, would you like to share? Okay. Um, I'm going to sh share. I changed gears instead of the one I was thinking of sharing. I'm going to share two short ones. Um, one is a poem I wrote to my students. Um, I've taught sixth through 12th grade English. And uh, this is one I wrote to my students uh, when I was teaching sixth grade. And it's... Uh, it's just called, for all of you, a letter to my students. <laughs> I'd like to make you writers all weaving words of the simplest or most intricate designs. I'd like you to create patterns, stories of diverse pasts or of other lands and people far away, of all you hold sacred and special, of yesterday, tomorrow, and today. I'd like you to feel your artistry, your words born from all you've known your insights, visions, and unique strands that interwoven become your own. I'm not an artist, as some see art. I see with my eyes, my heart, and my pen. And as the wheel of our limb spins, it weaves a tale for your very own quilt, a poem, a story, a truth discovered within. And, uh -huh, and, I, and I like to follow that with one um, that I wrote for them when we were on a retreat and uh, we were at, at Yosemite. They said to me, Mrs. Silverman, could you, just, could you just really write a poem right now? And so I did. And this is what I ended up with. And it's called Rising to the Occasion. Beginning mechanically, one foot following another, 
stepping illiterately upon civilizations past and present, discovering with slow awareness the life forms below. Momentary silence, no, momentary stillness around, above, and seemingly beyond conception. Tire, towers of glacially carved wonders caress me as I rise to the occasion. Paths frequented by nature's children lie paved and unpaved, welcoming all as invited guests to breathe deeply and inhale the momentary solitude of Yosemite's peaceful calm. If this is all there is, then that is surely enough. Thank you. It was a sixth grade teacher that inspired me to really get into writing poetry and do creative writing. So that's great. Bravo to sixth grade teachers. It really <laughs> turned my life around. <laughs> there you go. Barbara, would you like to read another? I'll read a, another one from the anthology, um, What It Is to Be a Woman, because I really. I really love this poem. Actually, it's the first time I've ever read this aloud. It's called Storms in Africa. And it's for the young girls who were taken from their mothers in a, um, from, from their schoolroom, their classroom, actually. I think it was Nigeria some years ago. And it's written in the, for, in, in the voice of the mother who is searching for her daughter. And I'd like to dedicate it today to all of the parents on the borders of the United States um, and their children who've been ripped apart uh, by our government. So this is called Storms in Africa. It's for the girls lost from their mothers. Let it storm. Footprints in mud leave a trail for one who weeps harder than rainfall, asks the hidden moon for my daughter. Classroom mourns her laughter, her eyes wide, dreams swirling in vivid colors as her headscarf caught in branches of trees broken by her captors who rape her to pass time not as I, who wrap her in caresses. Let the storm scream as I do, searching tracks in the mud, my last prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Arlene? I have a, uh, I have a couple of short ones. The House I Live In, which is a French pantoum, which uh, I'm still rather new to poetry, but some things, some ways of writing poems uh, to me are just fun. And this is fun. The House I Live In, it serves me well. Not maintenance free, a thing of value always to be. It serves me well, as I expect it to do a thing of value always to be. So I tend and bend and stretch as I expect it to. Not maintenance free. So I tend and bend and stretch the house I live in. The end. That's, of course, the form is where the French pantoum comes in, but 
I think those things are just fun to do sometimes. Yes, they are. And I have another that um, this is uh, this is my newest book that's coming out, and it's actually in the uh, proof stage, and it's for my writing group, one of my writing groups. So it was for them exclusively. And this is one of the poems that I wrote. We did a, a prompt of what if. So what if, what if that Texas cowboy who came to Trenton to play Little League baseball playoffs, swaggering and swinging a 10 gallon hat, wearing boots and denims, turned my head around, made my heart pound. Instant love at first sight. What if he and I were 20 and 18 instead of 15 and 13? Would I be living in West Texas instead of Virginia? <laughs> so that's my what if. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good prompt for, for poetry writing. It's a good, it is, it's a good one. And, and that's how we started with the book was we had the what if as a prompt. And my first reaction was that I don't live by what if. If I live, if I thought what if before I did something, I would never do anything. So, and it wound up becoming a, you know, you know a thing for a, an anthology. <laughs> so, glad you enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, I'm gonna end um, the poetry reading with um, a sweet thought, I hope. Um, I know like um, I learned when I was in New York, I did my practicum there um, about when you go to a Chinese restaurant, they give you the orange at the end of the meal that you share. And I found, you know, that was so that you leave with a sweet taste in your mouth. And so this is a poem that's dedicated to chocolate. Um, it's, it was written to a prompt of a beautiful piece of chocolate cake that looked almost too good to eat, but I wouldn't turn down chocolate cake. And it's called Tasting the Soul. Tantalizing, tasting with my mind, chocolate from nature's pot. Offering pleasure, touching, graced upon my tongue, filling pleasures to my toes, these kisses of soul, tasting, juices roll the tongue, tasting sweet nature's nectar, a soul recording. Now, I would like to know, and we have some people that are... Um, audience um, that um, didn't read poetry, but I would like to know if anybody has any questions um, or discussion for our group today. Just feel free to unmute and speak. Just enjoyed it immensely. Thank you. Well, I have a question. I just had to write it down um, for Arlene. <laughs> Because um, as I know, you've published and created many anthologies. And uh, what is, is it specifically about anthologies that keep you coming back to do more? Well, I'm a people person. And I love to be in contact and to connect people through one, one thing or another. I mentioned one of my poems that, I'm, that I often consider myself a bridge uh, for 
sometimes different causes or you can be a bridge anywhere in a family i've always been a bridge in my family and i think anthologies bring people together from across the country sometimes we have um, people from outside the country that contribute especially now with the internet that we're in touch so and we may basically be the same but when there's a a prop thrown out there, we come back with whatever is inside of us, and we are also different in our thinking. And I think that's a fascinating and educating. I just enjoy that. I like to hear what other people think and what their experiences are, and what better way today than through an anthology, <laughs> which I, of course, plan to be doing another one probably in January. So everybody will can expect an email from me saying this is what we're doing this year. And I must say that meeting you today face to by face to face after seeing your name uh, in writing and working with you through emails has been a real pleasure to see you uh, live and well too. <laughs> Well, I, I certainly do appreciate your putting this anthology together and um, the opportunity to meet people face to face and look forward to many more anthologies. I've got something brewing myself about trying to do one. I just need to kind of find the time to focus on it because, you know, it takes a lot of work, as you know, Arlene. Yes. <laughs> it takes a lot of work to, to, to get one done. Um, now, she also did a go edit an anthology for the Triangle Association of Freelancers called Taft Stays Home, and um, some of us participated in that. Well, a round of applause to everybody for participating. Thank you so much, and you'll have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for participating by listening to the Prolific Pulse Poetry podcast. Come back again and listen to more lively discussions. If you would like to be on our show, if you are a poet and you have a book to promote or project you'd like to talk about, please send an email to prolificpulse at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon. Thank you. This is Lisa saying have a great night. Bye-bye.